good morning. Well, it's good to be back in hot Texas. I was in 70 degrees for the high in Colorado, and it was hard to come back. We're driving. It's 9 o'clock at night. We're crossing the Kansas border, and it was 103 at 9 o'clock at night. I knew I was in trouble. That is nuts. Well, I'm glad. Hopefully, you have air air conditioners at work. If you don't, boy, I'm sorry. We have it now here at the church, so come on up, and you can live at the church for a little while until you get your air conditioning fixed. It is good to see you. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You have your Bibles. I'm going to ask that you turn over there with us to Colossians chapter 3. How many of you have ever taken your child to work for a day? Anybody? All right, very good. Now, as a pastor, my kids get to come up quite often to the church. Matter of fact, they act like this is their second home. They hit the doors during the week, and they're off playing hide-and-seek. They own this joint. I mean, this is their place. It's kind of funny. It's very interesting to watch. At the first of the summer, um, we had some guest speakers, and my oldest daughter was very strange. She came in to church for three Sundays in a row. And I said, baby, you know, everything okay? Is there something wrong in the children's ministry? Maybe I need to have a talk with that children's worker down there, that, the one who's running it all, you know, my wife. Do I need to talk to her? You know, that won't go over very well. But I, she's like, no, there's nothing wrong. I said, well, why do you keep coming out? She goes, well, I like to hear the guest speakers. And I said, well, well babe, you never came out to hear me? She goes, but dad, I hear you all the time. So take your kids to work day. It's, it's kind of fun when you get to, your kids get to see you in your own environment. They get to see you do what you do. Um, a few years ago when I was in college, I got to, the opportunity and the privilege to spend a summer working where my dad works at the oil refinery plant there in Dumas. And so I got to spend the entire summer out there at the same plant working. I didn't work underneath him. I worked under somebody else. But I got to spend the summer out there working in the, the heat and working, just seeing what my dad had to put up with. You know what? After a summer being out there, my respect level climbed greatly for my dad. Seeing what he had to go through and what he goes through. and It's just incredible when your kids get to see you in your work environment. Now, let me ask you a question. What would happen if you took Jesus to work with you for a day. Hey, Bob, by the way, this is my friend. Let me introduce you. This is Jesus. Hey, Susie, come on over here. Let me introduce you to my great friend, Jesus. Would they be shocked? Would would they be amazed? Would they be sitting, well, let's see how he works today. Would they wonder how you're going to treat and, t- and treat the boss? Would they wonder how you're going to respond to your boss today? Would it be any different if Jesus came to work with you for a day? Maybe some of us are saying, well, no, not really. I'd be about the same. I don't see much of a difference. Well, here's what we're going to do in Colossians over the next few weeks. We've talked about being salt and light. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to now go very, very practical on you. And I want to make sure we understand how, as we gear up for the fall, how that you and I can actually be the salt and light in a very practical way. And it's how we work. And it's how we interact with our employers. So the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time just talking about how we interact at work. And then on the last week, if you are a boss or if you have to be over a group of people, 
You especially want to be there, be here for that, that message because we're going to talk to you as a leader how you are supposed to be functioning as a Christian. Now, Paul does something like he, he, he always does. He gives some theology, and then at the end of the theology, he now begins to lay out practical outworkings of, here, you now have the theology, you now have the Bible understanding. Now, here's how it's going to play out in your life. You'll find that Colossians has a lot of similarities with Ephesians. There's about a quarter, one-fourth of the, the book is going to mirror exactly what's said in Ephesians. And Paul now begins to write, and he's going to write something very interesting. He walks through, in Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, he talks about, if you're a dad, this is how you should act. If you're a mom, this is how you should act. If you're a husband, if you're a wife, this is how you're to act. If you're a kid, this is how you act. And then he switches, and now he goes outside the home, and he starts talking about slaves and masters. Now, we kind of do a pushback saying, well, wait a minute. Slavery in the Bible, that's a little uncomfortable, Heath. You're right, it is a little uncomfortable. Paul's not condoning or recommending slavery. But in every commentary, in every place that I found and read, they made the strong application in which we're gonna make today that this goes into how you and I work today. Boss and employers, employees. You ready? Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Colossians 3, go all the way down to verse 22, and here's what it says. It says, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. We're going to focus in on verse 22 and the first part of it. It says, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the opportunity to be able to look into your word. God, I thank you for the chance and the opportunity to be able to sing praises to you. I pray that it has come from a people whose hearts are ready, who sing with such sincerity that, God, it was sweet sound to your ears. And I pray now that as we sit, that, God, your spirit would have freedom to move and to work, and, God, I'm asking that right now, we would hear from you. And I pray that as we walk out of this place, we would be a different people because we've applied it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So it says, slaves obey in everything. Now, I know for many of us, we, we would say, ah, it's just so hard to get into it because it says slaves. Maybe some of you actually say, hey, absolutely, I work for a taskmaster. My boss is just terrible. I, I, that's exactly how I feel. So maybe some of you really feel it and you, you got it. Others, you're saying, I don't know. Just follow with what's happening. In this time, in this age, you did have bosses. They were called masters. And the people who worked, they were provided for. They had a house. They had a living. But they were truly bought and sold as property. They were slaves. So here's what Paul is saying, slaves obey in everything. Let's take it to our time and to our period. 
If you have a boss, you are to obey in everything. Now, automatically do a pushback, don't we? Well, wait a minute. Obey? I don't know if I can go there. Come on. It says obey in everything. Here's the Greek. You ready? The Greek word means obey. Obedience. Not just in a little bit, but in everything you are to obey. Now, it's very interesting because let's just lay this out. Some of you are saying, hey, I'm retired. Yippee, this does not apply to me. I don't have to even listen to this message for the next few weeks. Sweet. If you're retired and you're not having a boss, praise the Lord. But here's what I would ask. I would ask that you would listen. And I would ask that you would do what my grandparents and my great-grandparents did for me. They took the principles that you're about to hear and they instilled them into me. They talked them to me. They shared their stories. And I would ask that you would listen and it would give you a framework to be able to talk to your kids and grandkids. Because I'm gonna shoot you real straight. The 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds, Time Magazine and all the, the news media all around right now are all struggling with the 20s and 30s because they do not know how to work. And everybody's talking about it because their work ethic has totally changed and and their values have completely changed. So the question now becomes, how do we now talk about what we need to do? And so here's where I'm asking. Here's what I want you to understand. It, It applies to everyone in this room, myself included. Well, Heath, you're a leader. No, I still have people I have over me. I have a board. I have a church shareholders, stockholders, however you want to say it, there are people that I have to answer to. So no matter what position you are in, today, what we want to talk about is authority. And the Bible tells us that we are to obey in everything. Well, wait a minute, Heath, wait a minute, wait, just time out, time out. I'm okay with obeying if if my boss is a Christian. That's good. I can handle that. What if my boss isn't a Christian? Am I still supposed to obey him? Yes. Obey in everything? Okay, what if, you ready? What if you're smarter than your boss? Anybody like that? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Ryan, keep your hand down. Plant, keep your hand down. What if, what if, what if you're smarter than your boss? What if you're, I mean, everybody else knows that any idiot can figure out that your boss is an idiot. How do you play this out? Well, how do you play it out? Let's just, let's just say they, they just make dumb decisions. And, and you know that if they would just put you in charge, it would go okay. But they don't put you in charge, and you still have to sit there. So what if? What if you know that's the wrong way to do it, and they still ask you to do it this other way? What if that's not the most successful way to do it? What if it's not the most efficient way? What if it's not the most effective way? What if? What do you do then? Because the Bible just laid it out very clearly for you and I. Obey. Push back. Time out. Wait a minute. You want me to do what? Obey in everything. It doesn't even give you a clause. Because here's here's how we think as Americans. You ready? This is how we think. I will obey as long as I think it's reasonable. 
I will obey as long as I think it's a good decision. But if it's a bad decision or if it's ineffective, inefficient, I don't have to obey. I have an escape clause. Did you catch that? And you and I know we function this way. But what if, what if, okay, what if I work for a people? What if I work for a boss? What if I work for a company? And for the most part, they make good decisions. For the most part. But this one decision that they're making right now, oh, there's, it's lame. It's dumb. I like my company. So how do you respond when they're making one bad decision? And it's really bad. I mean, really bad. It's so bad that it forces you to have to go over and talk to everybody else about how bad that decision is. And now you keep talking. Can you believe they really did that? And you start murmuring and complaining and getting your own group, right? To talk about how bad the boss's decision is. Or maybe you say, okay, I'm not gonna do that because that's wrong. But what I'll do is I'll come over here and I'm gonna act like I work I'm going to act like I work really hard. I'll even leave my car up there overnight so my boss thinks I'm working really late. And I want to work really hard, but, but I'm really not working hard. I'm just kind of putting my time in. As a matter of fact, I'll even accidentally forget a few things so that it sabotages the whole project and I can step back and say, told you so, that was a bad idea. I knew it'd never work. Have you found yourself yet? Have you felt the the, the tension in your life yet on this? Because we all face it. And and what Paul is writing here says, obey in everything. It's hard to move beyond that, isn't it? Because in our minds, we think it's okay just to obey a little bit. And that way I can't actually be, it can't be pinned on me that I did wrong but I'm not gonna go full out. I'm not gonna go full on. I'm not gonna give it my best effort. So how do we play this out? I'm gonna give you some more Paulian theology. That's the theology of Paul. Romans chapter 13, you ready? Romans chapter 13. I'm gonna walk us through authorities again. This was designed way before Paige Patterson ever came, so I am gonna still talk about Romans 13. Now, Romans 13, Paul sets it out, and I'm using the same author to demonstrate how he views authority because I I need to make sure that we understand this principle because what's riding on it for you and what's riding on it for me, ready, is are you able to be blessed by God? Is God able to bless you? Watch what happens as we go through Romans 13. You ready? Let every person... There's no escape clause. It does not say, let every person accept Heath. Let every person accept, and you put your, you can't do that. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. If you're a teenager, that's your parents, teachers, principals, coaches. If you're an adult, governing authorities. That can be the United States government, Texas government. It can even go to the point of, your boss, your employer, any governing body over you. And it says be subject to. What does it mean to be subject to? To place yourself underneath. 
in complete obedience. Be subject to. I will be under the governing authorities. Here's the tension and here's what's happening for you and I. You ready? We have an emotional response to what has been asked, the request. When somebody asks us to do something, we have an emotional response. I don't like it. It, it infuriates me. We, we get frustrated by what has just been asked. It's the request. And more than that, here's what, what Paul is driving us to. Ready? It's the authority doing the asking. It has nothing to do with the request. Did you catch that? It says, let every person be subject, obey, come underneath. For there is no authority except from God. Now, Paul is writing to Romans here. This is Christians in Rome. The Christians in Rome are now feeling persecution. There was some antagonism starting to, to rise within the government. And Paul is saying, you are to be subject to Rome? Wait a minute, come on. Rome's of Satan, right? My boss is of Satan, or if not of Satan, is at least demon-possessed. Come on, are you really wanting me to... Did you see this? Look. For there's no authority except from God. The person over you is there because God has allowed them to be there. The reason you're not there is because God has not allowed you to be there. This is an enormous principle because we think that we should be in that position. And the reality is, is that God has not put you there. And so until God puts you there, your job is to come underneath and submit. Watch this. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Okay, come on. Are you really saying that non-Christians, God puts them in authority? And, and, and really God is the one doing that? Are you sure? Let me help you out. You ready? There was a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. You remember him? He wore a real, he was very, very fashionable. He loved his clothes. Matter of fact, his dad made him a really fancy robe and his brothers didn't like it, so they threw him in a pit. And then he ends up going to Egypt. Goes through several different things. And then at a point in time, God takes Pharaoh, gives him a dream. And what does God do with Pharaoh? He says, that's the guy you need to put in charge. No strategy, no effort on Joseph's part. No six-month strategic plan could take Joseph and put him into a position of power. God did it on his time and his place and in his moment. God put him in a position of power to save Joseph and all of his family. A few years later, another Pharaoh comes up and comes along and he doesn't know Joseph. And so now he puts all the Israelites into slavery. For 400 years, they're now enslaved. And then you move beyond. And now in Romans, Paul tells us about a Pharaoh in which God raised up. 
He brought Moses in at the time, and the Bible tells us, and Paul tells us, that God actually took Pharaoh's heart, and he did what? Are you ready? Hardened his heart so that he could display how mighty he was. That's God. Then, keep going, you ready? So then you now have, they come out of Egypt, Moses leads them out of Egypt, and now you have King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and King Solomon blows it. He does several bad things. And God says, I'm going to raise up another country. I'm going to raise up a king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he's going to come. And he's going to come. And he's going to come over. And he's going to destroy and wipe out. So he raises up Babylon to come over and destroy Israel. Habakkuk gets really upset about this. You remember the prophet Habakkuk? He starts screaming and protesting, saying, God, I look at all around Judah. And as I look around Judah, there's all these people who are sinning. God, come on. Why don't you do something about these guys? And God says, just a second. I want you to know I've got the Chaldeans coming, and they're fixing to wipe out Judah. Well, wait a minute, God, the prophet says. You can't use a, a people who are more evil than us. And God says, I can do it however I want. He raises up another to destroy. Well, he, okay, that's Old Testament. God's not really doing that today. God is using businesses and corporations all across the United States to begin to flatten our world in which he says, you know what? You need to actually move your business from out of the United States and move it over to China. You need to move your business over to Mexico. You need to move your business. And God is flattening the world. And he's using business leaders and he's using governments He's using the authorities now to set the stage for something so much larger than what we could ever think of. Is God at work? Absolutely. He's at work at the, in the authorities that you have over you. Now watch this, you ready? He says, therefore, whoever resists, verse two, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. When you resist and you don't come under and you don't submit and you don't obey, watch this. When you say, I don't like what they told me, I don't wanna do what they've asked me to do, and you step outside of that umbrella of authority and now you begin to resist, what you have just done is that you have just stepped outside of the blessing of God. You've just resisted the very avenue, the very way in which God had designed to bless you. You've just stepped outside of it, and now you're incurring the wrath of God. Teenagers, when you step outside of the authority of your parents, what you're doing, it is so big. You are stepping outside, and you're actually stepping outside and saying, okay, God, give me your best shot. But when you come back underneath the umbrella of your parents and the authorities that God places over you, watch this. You are putting yourself in a position in which God can bless you. We like to talk about it for teenagers, but we hate it when it comes at us with our, our authorities, don't we? Keep going. For rulers are not a terror, verse three, to good conduct, but to, to bad would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? If you don't want to have fear of the one who's in authority, it's very simple. Do what's good. Do the right thing. And you will receive approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Okay, time out. This is crazy. Ready? So now Paul says 
that the authorities are God's servants. Isn't that weird? To say Rome is God's servant? Hello, what? The, the very evil people, they're God's servant? Your boss who doesn't know Christ is God's servant? Boy, that's hard to swallow, isn't it? Do you remember this? When God said, in the fullness of time, when the earth was ready, he sent forth his son to be born of a virgin. He took Caesar Augustus and he put it in his heart to tax all the people so that he could bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to have a baby. Listen to me. If God could handle Nebuchadnezzar, if God could handle Pharaoh, if God could handle King Darius of the Medo-Persians, do you not think that God is big enough to handle your boss who's out of line? But we don't live that way. We don't want to live that way. It's too hard. It's a lot easier just to talk. It's a lot easier to sabotage. Keep watching. Verse four, for he's God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's servant, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. Put yourself under, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also the sake of conscience. Just in case you missed it, did he say the wrath of the authority? He didn't, did he? Whose wrath are you avoiding when you come underneath? Help me, whose wrath? Man or God's? Whose wrath? This is so important because we want to miss this. We have missed this. We have missed this for decades. We think that we can just rebel and not have consequences. When you don't submit to the authorities, you're stepping outside of the boundaries of what God can do in your life. Oh, Heath, you know, come on, that's, that's tough. I don't know if that's really doable. Let me just make sure you understand the point one more time. And he says, verse six, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. They're servants of God. For the authorities to attend to the very thing. Watch this. He now makes it very clear. He now gives a very easy example. You think paying taxes are ungodly, which they are. We don't wanna pay taxes, right? He says, as much as you think that they're ungodly, it's not the request. It's that the authority over you has asked. The authority over you has told you what to do. It is not the request. Well, Heath, wait a minute. What, what, what if they take my taxes and they use them ungodly? What if they actually don't do the right thing with my money? Ready? You're not responsible for what they do. Your only job is to come under in obedience. Did you catch that? The request can be wrong. The request can be inefficient. The request can be ineffective. It could be really, truly an idiotic request. Your job is to come under in obedience. Well, Heath, that's really easy for you. Obviously, you've been in ministry a little too long, and woohoo, you're a little cuckoo. This doesn't work in the real world. 
it works. Time and time again. When I worked at the oil refinery plant, I had many conversations with my dad about this. <laughs> if you've never had a, worked in the oil refinery, woohoo, that is a blast. There's things going on all over the place. Worked in retail. Worked for MCI WorldCom. Do you remember that group? Bernie Evers walked away with my 401k and everybody else's. This was a blessing. I've worked for pastors who stepped out of the line. I've worked for churches whose boards violated scripture. And I will tell you over and over again, if you rebel against the authority, no matter how bad you step outside of the authority and the avenue in which God desires to bless you. Let me give you two points, one question, one challenge. If you have your pens, I'm gonna ask that you take them out. I think you need to write them down. I think you need to hear this. I think you need to review it. I think you need to come back to it. Colossians 3 and verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Well, Heath, what if they're asking me to do something that violates Scripture? I'm glad you asked. We're talking about that next week, so you have to come back next week to hear that. You ready? Your two points, one question, and one challenge. Number one, if the source of the request is an authority, if the source of the request is an authority, then God is ultimately behind it. You mark it down, you put it down, you see it and understand it because you will, be, you will face this battle over and over again. If the source of the request is an authority, then God is ultimately behind the request. If the source is the authority, then God is behind it. So what does that mean? It means that this is a testing ground to prepare you for what's next. You want to rise and you want to see God raise you up? You follow the life of Joseph. And in the life of Joseph, what did he do? Through slavery and over and over again. Before God ever promoted him, before God ever moved him up, he understood he must be faithful in what God had put before him over and over again. This is a test. And the way in which you choose to respond to the authorities in your life determines how God is able to move in your life in the future. Did you catch it? If the source is an authority, then God is ultimately behind it. Number two, the most important issue, the most important issue is not success, not effectiveness, nor is it efficiency. The most important issue is not success, effectiveness, or efficiency. The most important issue, you ready? Is that the, the authority in your life is the avenue through which God can bless you. I say can because it all is dependent upon how you respond. It's the avenue. You see, we think the most important thing is this. If the request is gonna make us successful, good, I'll do it. If I agree with the request, I think I'll do it. If the request will make us more efficient, I will do it. 
But if it's not, then I'm not doing it. But the most important thing is not the success, not efficiency, not effectiveness. The most important thing is this, is that the authority in your life is the avenue through which God desires to bless you in the future. It's pretty big, isn't it? It would radically change our lives if we started living that way. So here's your question. This is gonna be something that I would beg you and I would ask you for your sake, for your sake, for God's blessing on your life, for your sake, for your blessing's sake. I would ask that you would take this question and I would pray that you would wrestle over it this next week. Are you responding to the authorities in your life in a way that allows God to bless you? How are you responding? Are you responding to the authorities in your life in a way that allows God to bless you? The challenge, you ready? The challenge is this. It's a one-day challenge. As the musicians begin to come out and prepare, the challenge is this. One day. How about you take Jesus to work with you for one day, and the only thing you focus on, you don't have to focus on anything else except to obey the authority. That's all you have to do. You're going to probably screw up several times in the next few days. And you're going to have to start over again. And you're going to have to start over. But what if, what if you got it yourself into the habit of staying under that authority? It's a one-day challenge. Go completely, one full day, completely under the authorities that God has placed over you. Take the challenge. For you that are retired, here's your challenge. You ready? You don't have a boss that you're answering to. Your spouse does not count. Here's what I'm asking you. Ready? I'm asking that you would share the principle of coming under the authorities with one person. And I'm asking that you do it with somebody who's close to you, a kid, a grandchild, I'm asking that you do it with somebody who that you can interact with. And then what I'm asking you to do is you share the principle and then just say, I want to share my story. I want to share how I've done this in my, in my life. And when I came under, how God blessed. How when I came under, and it didn't seem right, it didn't seem feasible. When I came under, God blessed. And I want to share the story with you.